Tibetan Aid Project invites you to take a world music journey with internationally recognized Bay Area musicians on Friday, September 9th, 8 p.m. at Berkeley's Freight and Salvage. Experience enchanting harp melodies by Diana Stork and Diana Rowan and ambient African Kora by innovative instrumentalist Daniel Berkman. Beautiful Hindustani ragas will be performed by T. Rockwell on the Touch Style Vina. Peter Van Gelder, one of the first American students of Ali Akbar Khan, and Michael Lewis as one of the finest American tabla players today. This event is a benefit for the Tibetan Aid Project, a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting literacy among the Tibetan refugee community through preservation of its sacred culture in the Himalayan region. For more information, call 510-644-2020 or visit www.thefreight.org. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It's a minute past 3 p.m., and up next is Cover to Cover Open Book. Everywhere people were trying to find a healer. Welcome to Open Book. I'm your host, Nina Serrano, with my Poet to Poet series. Today's guest is International Poet Laureate and Poet Laureate of Alameda, California, Mary Rudge. Welcome, Mary Rudge. I'm happy to be here, Nina. Well, I'm so glad that you are here. I wonder if you would tell people the uh, format that we've thought of for today. Well, I was going to tell about receiving an anthology from the World Congress of Poets in Greece. 205 poets from 65 countries. We really never get to hear these poets in this country or even read their works in translation. And reading the anthology reminded me of how much I love some of these poets that I had heard before because I've been to World Congresses of Poets on five continents. I first read about them and heard about the World Congresses when I was very young and I read Langston Hughes' book about um, going to a World Congress. It was called I Wonder as I Wander. And I thought, oh, that could never happen to me, a little kid in the tiny woods with an outdoor toilet and no culture and no contacts. And here I am, here in California, with these invitations. Reading this anthology were poets that I had never actually had a chance to meet because they hadn't come before. Some were poets from Kosovo. They impressed me so much with their courage and their strength. Instead of the kind of thing you think they would write about anguish and bitterness they are writing about love the courage to love and one poet in particular um, she was so gracious in her poem it was titled today i kissed my enemy 
I, I was so amazed at their work and I thought we should hear poets from around the world more often. In fact, we should hear each other more often. And that reminded me that I've been on Nina's program many times and she's listened to me and I want to hear her poems. So I asked her today to please read poems and she's going to do that. Well, thank you for asking, Mary. I'm going to read this first poem, which is my very latest poem. It's called Be Fearless, Choose Love. And it's the poem that I wrote for the wedding of my grandson, Camila Landau, to Jessica Xiomara Garcia on July 30th, 2011. It's called Be Fearless, Choose Love. Fear of computer viruses Fear of terrorists, fear of the planetary extinction of our current paths of spreading disease, of urban crime rates, drug lords owning governments, torture as a commonplace weapon, and human drones with only a button to press to explode life to smatters and splinters. Only a law to pass to steal it all. Fearless love is the only defense to face the morning light. Greedy power in my face, like in yours, wants to make us forget. But we cannot forget this nagging feeling hardwired in the bones, wanting to belong snugly in the nest of our planet. Be fully accepted because we exist, and not for our documents, licenses, and wealth. From that innate primordial desire comes our fearless love. Peeking around the polluted rubble of destruction, the abandoned gas stations, the poisoned waterways, we look beyond and see other heads bobbing up and down, beaming the signal, calling to us to show our fearless love in the face of everything. Fearless love. The Daily Challenge. Ready or not, it is here. Oh, wow, it's beautiful. My next poem is called The Speed of Light on Sunday. The days pass quickly, yet the pace of the universe's journey is the same as in other centuries. Though in the last fifty years, quakes in Chile and Japan changed our position by degrees as cosmic travelers. Yet it is to the cosmos that I give little thought, till the moon calls and at last I stop, stretched out in darkness to feel my center spinning in this sea of matter and nothingness. Matter is my fate. Even through death, it is inescapable. Nothing I cannot imagine. I leave it to astronauts to peer at, rocketing out of this solar system, this Milky Way. It is nothingness where I began this life in human form. Bits of some star clinging to my DNA. And I seek this tiny seed of commonness linking me to all that is before I sleep. Blessed Sunday, when they say even God rested, although I don't have to rush today, my blood and breath will have to keep 
pumping at the same rate. This talking mind, called me, takes my body in search of sand and sea. The words will dissolve in waves, and I will be lifted to swim in the salt of life on earth, my homeland, on earth, my homeland. Oh, Nina, that made me think again of this world of poets, this world anthology. How many of the poets had two homelands? They would be from France and Haiti, or they would be from Africa and uh, another country, Cuba and another country. They were, so many of them were of, of two cultures, and that is really our true homeland, is to encompass everybody into this one world, as your poem does. Thank you so much for reading that. Well, that brings me to this next poem, to Che Guevara. Che Guevara was a man of two cultures, born in Argentina uh, and then became a Cuban during the Cuban Revolution and then died in Bolivia and went on uh, through, through these last uh, several decades to become an international icon. And it's called To Che Guevara who showed empathy for our struggles in the belly of the beast. The Cuban poets say, the poet is you. But is it? You left a few poems, heartfelt, but you did not turn over your energies to this demanding, nagging muse. Your path was another. Perhaps embarked upon in your Argentine intellectual home or on the back of a motorcycle or in the rhetorical embrace of the persistent woman Hilda who brought you to Guatemala where you experienced dangerous struggle firsthand as the Arbenz government tried to institute needed reforms and you and Hilda had to get out fast when U.S. Marines put an end to that quickly. Or in that historic all-night conversation in Mexico City with Fidel that led to arrest and intertwining of your lives. Of course, the world is glad today that you thought to take a little notebook in your backpack. You sailed off in the grandma and had the poetic habit of recording your thoughts and experiences. Now, 22 publications and their translations... Hey, maybe the poet was you, do you think? It was easy to become a Cuban after you studied their monster mosquitoes and took heroic leadership in their guerrilla war. For you, like Bolivar and Martí, it was an ongoing fight for Latin America's independence. Not so easy, really, suffering from asthma in the rugged Sierra Maestra. Cuban men teasing and testing this foreign commander amongst them, who leaned towards tough love and even tougher standards of dedication to the tasks. After the revolutionary triumph, you, doctor, looked to the perfectibility of humans, the new human being who would evolve and behave from motives of the collective good, not financial or personal gain. 
<laughs> With such economic vision, you found the routines of running the revolutionary Cuban banking system not so satisfying. All the multinational exiled revolutionaries of the time, drawn to Havana by the tropical fragrance of freedom, buzzed in your ears, sent you to lead failed Guerrilla Wars. Africa's Congo first, and then Bolivia, where decades later the indigenous movement found its own form of liberation, creating human rights for Mother Earth, Pachamama. Why then has the decades-old icon of you made it on to so many T-shirts and knickknacks even now? The true revolutionary, you said, is guided by a great feeling of love. It was your love, the oneness love, that goes beyond one's family, one's nationality. As the youth of these last generations confront the ecological crisis before them, with the planetary flag in their hearts and hopes for our dear little Earth, our darling Mother Earth, Pachamama, now that's the stuff of poetry. Plants, rivers, and trees were not on your mind. Later, you would live and die among them in Bolivia. It was from Bolivia the photo image flashed around the world. Your dead body laid out like a famous Renaissance oil painting, an icon of saintliness, transcending, crumbling ideologies, theologies, evoking the feelings of poetry itself. Yes, the Cuban poets are right. The poem is you. Read like a true poet, and also like a storyteller. You've been part of the storytelling,、um, well, syndication movement. What do you call it? Organization for for years. I've been part of Stagebridge, a、uh, storytelling institution that goes into schools and trains children to be storytellers and share stories. And I've been part of the international storytelling movement. And the children should all be poets. But I like the way in your poetry that you go can go from country to country and from earth, well, to the celestial realm and to heaven. And that you write about your personal friends. I know you have a very special poem. I'd like to hear. This poem is called "Friends," and it's to my dear friend Anne McWilliams. We've been friends since 1957. Friends, Annie Banani and I agreed that the first one to get there would save a spot for the other, so we could pick up our conversations and songs where we left off the last time, as we always do, and always feel better afterwards. And we'd expect it to be much the same there because it's been going on here for more than fifty years. But to find out how we will meet in heaven. We have to die first. <laughs> This next poem on that theme is called "God." God, I am searching for you in a dream, in a message, always looking for signs that you love me. Wow, that's so inspiring. <laughs> 
This next poem is called Grief, Mourning, Loss. Let's search through this sorrow, explore the tears where pain appears in intense dreams of strange music, lifting columns of ancient mummies to the heights of art in the realm of everlasting life, to find a healing, to find a healing. I hate to break the mood <laughs> by saying anything, but I know that you have wished healing for a very special friend who's come through a lot of physical trauma. Yes, I think there's a lot of healing needed on the planet, and uh, there's a lot of living needed and a lot of joy needed and one of my joys is celebrating my friend's birthdays and this poem is for my special friend Danielle Del Solar and it's called On Preparing for Your Birthday June 2011 As a participant observer in your life for decades I am now watching an upbeat more economy Full of love, travel, romance, scary diagnosis, friendship, science, pseudoscience, tropical and Nordic mystery treatments and cures, a great adventure of life and grappling with the consequences amidst amorous escapades, art openings, poetry, airplanes, political commentary, presentations, documentary video clips, beautiful photographs, uncertainty, pains, thrills, and precautions, all juggled with grace, humor, tears, and a spiritual glow that spills over to us who enjoy your company, and all the thousands who click their hits on your YouTubes as you make your way through the medical, technological, physical, spiraling, baffling, unfathomable labyrinth of a glorious life. Hail to you on your birthday. May this poem be a beacon in the darkness and a good omen in the daylight. How beautiful to recognize your friends with a poem. It's a beautiful poem. Well, birthdays are special because it's the chance that you get to celebrate that the other lives. I have been experimenting lately with a new form. I mean, it's probably an ancient form, but I don't even know how I discovered it. But it did, uh, it did pass my path and I picked it up right away. And I'd like to share it with listeners because you may just be intrigued with it like I was and just start scribbling. Uh, the form is called an octo. It has eight lines. Each line has eight syllables. The first three lines, you just go along your way, counting your eight syllables each. But when you come to the fourth line, you have to be careful how the last word is on that line because it has to rhyme with line five. Four and five rhyme. And then six, seven, and eight are merely repeats of one, two, and three, but in descending order. That is three, two, one. You got it, right? You all got it? Okay, well, here's an example of one. This is my attempt, and it's called Moon. The moon, the smallest silver slice, the last sliver on the night's plate, 
laid on a star-studded tablecloth, a late-night snack set for dreaming, the day's reordered scheming, laid on a star-studded tablecloth, the last sliver on the night's plate, the moon, the smallest silver slice. Do you want to repeat that form again? Yes, it's eight syllables, eight lines, eight syllables. Lines one, two, three, just go along their merry way. Lines four and five, which are also eight syllables each, rhyme. Then you go back to line three, two, and one, and they are your closing. And it it's almost impossible to write a bad one, because of this, you're saved by the repeat factor. The repeat factor sheds a new light on everything that you've said before. And in the process of writing it with this, uh, this, this, uh, burden of trying to keep in the formula of eight syllables, so you're constantly erasing words to make it fit into eight syllables, you, uh, discover, much to your surprise, what you're really trying to say. And when you change the last three lines in reverse order, you get to see what you have said in a new way. Yes. And when you read your octo poems at a cafe here in Berkeley, and some of the poets heard this form, ever since they have been writing in this form and reading their poems at bookstores and other places and everywhere they read this form other poets say oh i want to do that i want to do that well one of the things i've done when i read an octo i then usually pass out a form uh, a page that right. shows what explains what the form is down to to writing one two three four five six seven eight so giving them a place where they can write their line and warning them that they should do it with a pencil so they have an eraser uh yeah it it seems to be catching on quite a bit i have enjoyed it myself very I, much i admire people who write forms so much i know when i went to california college of the arts michael mcclure was teaching form and everybody thought well knowing his work that they were not going to study form and were astounded to learn form in his class that was fun but you know my book is coming out it's called Passport Always Everywhere Poems. I, it only has one form poem in it, I think, a sonnet. And everything is free verse because free verse was invented in America. So recently, after my friends came back from Greece and I was not able to go this time, I said, okay, I'm going to link with Greece by naming USA Alameda, since I'm from Alameda, Muses. Because the muses that have lived on Mount Olympus, where my friends toured, and I had been before, was a home for 3,000 years of the Greek muses. Each one, each of the nine muses, is in charge of a certain form. Lyric poetry, heroic poetry. But we have so many forms in America that didn't exist in, in Greece that they didn't know about. Free verse was in the only form that was invented in America. But we have imported from Japan, haiku, ringa, tanka. So I decided we're a multi-ethnic country. We have more people here than Greece, and we must have muses here that represent 
the new forms in the multi-ethnic groups. So we had a ceremony in Alameda on August the 14th with the beautiful horns from Morocco and a dance company, Native English Poetic Dance Company, on stage bringing forth the muses, and we named American Muses. And um, so, so that's a new thing that's happening in this country, is that instead of the muses naming the poet laureate and crowning their heads with laurel on Mount Olympus, here am I, a poet laureate, saying, okay, I'm going to name and give titles to new muses. So that's a fun thing. And I get in on some of that fun because uh, you have told me that you plan to name me uh, the muse of translation, and I'm currently working on a poem uh, to make me worthy of the title. Yes, that will be at the Alameda Historical Museum in January, and we will have some new muses, and the muses who were named will get to tell about themselves and why they are an inspiration what they have done to um, to bear this title and to be known throughout the world. In my new book that's coming out, it's called Passport Always Everywhere Poems. It'll be on Amazon.com before too long. By surprise to myself, I saw that one of my poems was about Kosovo, not knowing that I would fall in love with these poets from from Kosovo. And... Uh, and Nina asked me to read this poem, so I'm going to do it now. It's called As a cornea reflects blood in macular degeneration, I reflect on Kosovo. Blood is in my eye. From the bleeding, a bloody circle reflects around the cornea. On whatever I see, only I see it. I think I caught it from the newspaper picture I saw of Kosovo this morning, of the ragged line of children tugging each other along, motherless, fatherless, pulling also the two-year-old who can't keep up away from the bloodied city. They have seen too much blood. And where will they go for refuge? I'm going blind in this bloody circle, the little world of my eye, the round and only lens through which I can see the bigger world. There is no hope, the specialist said this afternoon, for macular degeneration. It can be sudden, the wall behind the retina, broken-veined, sometimes like bomb burst, leaving a swamp. Wet or dry, the process begins. We haven't learned how to keep devastation from our eyes. We don't have a way for war not to be the weakness in our world. We have all gone blind when the children cannot see the world, a safe place of beauty and peace. If only I could have written of love and courage to love our enemies the way that the poet in Kosovo wrote. You just heard Mary Rudge, Poet Laureate of Alameda and International Poet Laureate, reading her poem, and she will close with another of her poems. This one's about Berkeley. It's called The Fire Twirlers Have Come to the Campus. Luminous along the walkway in the darkening air, the fire twirlers have come to the campus past a turbulence of guitars by the open gate. 
We have been in earth-stained white cords or worn through jeans, sitting on new grass, clean, strong, green, under trees with leaves intermingling with other voices. We talk of Einstein, Schweitzer, ecology, history, and stronger than all courses through veins, the flowing pulse of love. Against nuclear glare, we would hold this light. Leading our shelter, we walk along those who hold flame in their hands, dare to make it an art. The burning, learning, like whirling light in the hands of the fire twirlers swirls in the cortex of brain, this spark. So we would change the darkness, holding in common what we know of fiery core. Let me tell you that I feel through space, even after our light on earth dims, even after seeing stars fall in the eternal void, what we spark in each other makes a difference. Thank you, Mary Rudge, Poet Laureate, and thanks, Erica Bridgman, for engineering, and thanks to all of you for listening to Cover to Cover, Open Book. This is Interim Program Director Carrie Kaur. We would like to thank everyone who donated during our summer membership drive. As you know, we came in about $43,000 short of our goal. Working together, we will make up the difference. Please help us by pledging on our secure website. Go to www.kpfa.org. Thank you.